0: Open your Bibles to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, verse 26. Really is hard to imagine uh, when Kelly and Trisha were uh, just in the pews with us. Makes me wonder uh, who among us now is is God tapping on the shoulder? Uh, Who among us is God calling to go? Um, Just need to step out and go I know it's hard We make sacrifices And it seems like a lot But uh, you just don't know yet What God wants to do with your life So uh, he can totally rewrite the story of your life If you allow him to do that Luke chapter 8 verse 26 is where we'll begin Um, If you're on social media these days There's kind of a trending theme It's called uh, the glow up The glow up challenge Have y'all seen that? Uh, Sometimes it's, it's like just glow Like no W glow up Challenge. You know what this is about? Have y'all seen this? Um, usually, the glow up or like hashtag glow up is like they'll somebody will post two pictures of a before and after. And, and what you're showing is some sort of radical transformation in appearance. In other words, like some people don't just grow up, they glow up. You understand? Not all of you did, so, so I'm telling you something that's new to you. Um, but yeah, it's the idea that some people, like they just, they become something spectacular. They, they glow up. Uh, I'll give you some examples in case you're not getting it. Start here. This beautiful young girl. Okay, she didn't just grow up. She glowed up. So boom, get that? See? Glow up Yeah, right there That's a good one, right? Oprah Let's keep going This is fun Actually, check this out 15-year-old boy with a bowl of haircut And glasses too big for his head You ready? Boom he Glowed up, y'all That's George Clooney Like there is hope for all of you guys Like if, if if God or puberty Can turn this into this I mean, there's still reason, guys There's still reason That is awesome Go, George Next one Yeah this was actually a kid from our church. I love this. Y'all, y'all recognize him? He glowed up. Boom. Dax are in. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Keep going. I could do this all day. All right. This is kind of a reverse glow up. You'll get it in a second. This is a very handsome, uh, distinguished young man who glowed up. Boom. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. This is what I, this is my glow up right here, y'all. This is what, this is what I'm going for. That's awesome. Yeah. What about this one? Y'all see this? Yeah, y'all thinking that might be my mama, right? But no, look, boom, she glowed up. (laughs) Dolly. Yeah, she glowed up. Y'all completely glowed up. Yeah, that's something. I love this one. This is a little Chinese girl who was adopted by a family in our church and glowed up to be Maylee Johnson. Yeah, I love that so much. I love Maylee. That's so beautiful. Uh, Keep going. Yeah, now this one. God is good and, and, and God will be good. Uh, you ready? Because it's a glow up. Y'all ready? Boom. Eric DeVries. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? What God can do by his power and the work of some orthodontist is just so amazing. Some, some dentist. Yeah. I love that. I love Eric. Isn't that just cool, man? I love it. All right. Check this one out. You might can figure that out because some people just kind of born glowing and it's not really fair to the rest of us, but boom. Yeah, Julia Roberts, look. Yeah, it's like, how unfair is that even? Uh, Yeah, let's keep going. (laughs) Yeah, uh, glow up. Uh, This is a McQuady boy. I think, I forget how old he is, but he glowed up, boom. Tommy Newton, he's my brother-in-law, y'all. He goes to our church. Yeah. That good? Like, mom and dad, how did y'all let him marry my sister? Like, how did you let that even happen? Y'all wanna do one more? Can we do one more? All right, here we go. (laughs) Good? Ready? Glow ups are awesome, y'all. Y'all ready for this one? Because this one is so good. Ready? Boom! Warren Weeks, yeah. Second, huh? Oh Man, y'all were thinking Justin Bieber. I mean, you couldn't figure out like, yeah. Oh, I just love that so much. Warren's wife Margie's in the booth. That's Margie if you never met Margie. Margie is the one who apparently loved all the fur off of Warren. Loved all that fur off. But man, if I had that jacket today, I could preach. Man, this jacket would preach itself. I love that. Go Warren, man. Way to glow up Warren Weeks. That is good. Uh, We're fascinated by transformation. We're fascinated by that kind of change, that kind of glowing up. Uh, We love those stories of transformation, which brings us to Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Let me tell you a story. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God, please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion. He replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened, told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerizines begged Jesus to go away and leave him alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The, The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with them, But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. That a good story. You wouldn't have wanted anything to do with him. <laughs> I mean, this guy, you just wouldn't have. Chances are, if you grew up around that region of the Gerizines, uh your mama would have told you a long time ago, stay away from that man. You know, uh, people knew him because he was around town for so long. He was just uh, naked crazy man who who lived out in the tombs. Um, At times, the city fathers would try to protect people. I mean, he was frightened and frightening and obviously violent. Uh, Obviously, they tried several times to chain him, literally to chain him out there Uh, by by the language that the shackles were ankles and feet both. I mean, they, they, they would chain him hands and feet. But still he could, because of the power of evil that had possessed him, he could he could break iron chains and then escape once more out you know into the wilderness wild uh, hard to believe and, and then just the thought that i mean this 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 made, that none of us i mean we we wouldn 't want to be anywhere near him. If you read the scripture closely, you begin to realize that. Jesus sailed all the way across the sea. He faced a storm for this one man. I mean, he'll meet this man, he'll set this man free, and then he'll go back. That, that lets you know that Jesus came all of this distance for this one man. You would, you would cross the street if you saw this man coming, but Jesus would cross the sea just, just to get to him. Nobody else would have wanted to be near him. You wouldn't have wanted anything to do with him. Um. How did he get this way? I think it would be unfair in some ways to read the text and not address that because some of you are wondering, because um, we don't talk a lot about this. I mean, the short story is he's demon possessed. He's possessed by demons. And it's not the same, like you say, possessed by the devil. Some people would say that, but no, it's not the same. Um, understand the devil is just like one creature, one being. He was created as, as one of God's angels. His name was Lucifer an angel of light, uh, but but he turned, he he chose to rebel. He became evil, uh, the liar and the father of lies. You probably know something of that that story. He's a creature of God. He's an angel, but he's not equal to God. I mean, the devil is not God's equal. So this isn't like this giant fair fight. Uh, It's not at all. The the, the devil is very limited. Uh, He can't be everywhere at once the way God is. Uh, He cannot... Uh, read your thoughts or make you do anything that you don't want to do. I mean, the devil is is, is limited. He's not God's equal, Let, let's say that. Um, and there's just one of him. But when he fell, according to the scriptures, a third of the angels, it's like infinite number of angels. So a third of an infinite number would be probably an infinite number of, of demons that, that went with him. Uh, these are also lesser creatures, lesser angels, but they also chose in that big standoff to to side with, with Lucifer and evil. So there are now these fallen uh, evil uh, creatures, uh, uh, demons, uh, we would call them. And this man became uh, inhabited, possessed by a number of them. We don't know how many, but a number of them. So, so yeah, um, it, it's a real thing. It's in the Bible, um, it, it, it's real. So your next question is probably, well, could this happen to me? Um, Let's talk about that. Could could that happen to you? Let's make one thing very, very perfectly clear. Uh, You control the door to your own life, to to your own heart. You control the door to your own heart. And and so going back to this man, this man controlled the door to his own heart, his own life. And so whatever comes in, he, he had to let it in. He had to let it in. Again, the devil cannot take any power over you that you don't give him. And so this man controlled the door to his own life and he had to let them in one at a time. Now, I would be quite certain that he didn't know at the time what he was letting in. Remember the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And so all the demons who follow after the evil one, that they continue to follow after his purposes. And the scripture says clearly that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of the very image of God in which you were created. He wants to steal your joy, your peace, your dignity. He wants to take from you anything that he can possibly take away from you. He would kill you if he could. He would take you to hell with him if he could. Understand the devil is evil. And all of the demons that go with him, they continue to work for his purposes. So, so as far as what they want with this man, it's that. They just want to destroy him. They want to demean him. They want to ruin the image of God in him and take him to hell when they go. I mean, that's, that's their goal, that they just would destroy him. So here he is now possessed with, with multiple evil spirits. And the scripture says that, that they nearly control him completely. So as far as could this happen to you, I, I say yes. Now, that doesn't mean you'll be naked running through the graveyard. I mean, I mean, some of you might. It sounds like a Friday night for some of you people. But, but, but honestly, I don't think that's necessarily what we're talking about. That, that, that may have been the end for, for, for this man. But I would say for you, it would be very, very different. The, the devil's primary strategy is to convince you that he doesn't exist at all so he 's going to slip in your life in such a way where uh, again you won 't necessarily know what you 're letting in he 'll promise you pleasure he 'll promise you success he 'll promise you good things but but i 'm telling you he 'll never ever deliver what he promises. The old folks used to say don 't ever give the devil a ride he 'll want to drive. So understand, he doesn't understand what's happening as he lets these, these beings into his life, but eventually they control him completely. If I could just put it really plainly, and, and, and again, I, I just wanna speak very clearly about these things with you. Understand that um, the, the horror movies give you a very different picture of, of, of these powers of darkness. Uh, they make them seem very fearsome and strong. They're not. They're not, again, the only power they have is a power that you will give them, but they're such good liars that they know how to whisper in your ear and you will often give them much more than you ever thought you would, I'm just warning you of that, but, but think of them like demons, think of them as more like, I would use the word vermin, like spiritual vermin. I mean, we're talking about the spiritual world, so these aren't things that you see, but, but they're like vermin. In other words, they're like flies or maggots or, or rats in the spiritual world, in the same way that in the physical world we have vermin. We have rats who who move into a pile of garbage. We have flies and maggots that will swarm a dead hog, for example, it's that sort of thing. This is how evil works, this is how demons work. They're like flies or maggots or rats, vermin that will always, Always be attracted to garbage, to to filth, to whatever is dead and rotting. So very simply, spiritually speaking, the more garbage you let accumulate in your life, the more susceptible you become. The more inviting your life becomes to spiritual vermin, to the demons, to the flies and maggots and rats of the spiritual world. They will always be attracted to garbage. Unfortunately, we let a lot of garbage pile up in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about spiritual garbage. So I'm talking about hurts and habits and, and hangups. I'm, I'm talking about your addictions. I'm, I'm talking about that, that anger that you continue to give a place in your life. And, and it is poison and it rots and it destroys and, and, and it begins to just kill, begins to kill you from the inside out, your, your anger, your, your, your lust. Your unforgiveness, that that tendency you have to have a grudge and hold it for years. You understand that spiritual garbage and you continue to let that pile up and you continue understand to become more and more attractive to spiritual vermin. Am I making any sense? This is how it happens and this is how it would happen to you. You just continue to let the spiritual garbage, you continue to let death take over from the inside out. And you invite these forces of evil that they will begin to make a home in you. But you control the door of your own life. And honestly, the devil has no control over you that you don't give up. The problem is you give it up all the time. So so this man wasn't born this way, but, but, but he became this way. Jesus crosses the sea just to get to him. It sounds like as soon as Jesus' feet hit the shore, this man comes tearing out after him. This can't, imagine being one of the disciples, like you just survived a storm and you don't necessarily know what Jesus knows. So you don't know to expect this guy, but like as soon as you get there, like you just survived a storm and now there's this naked, crazy man running toward you. But, but, but this is how it happens. So, so the man is just rushing toward Jesus. And it tells us that even before they start talking, Jesus has already rebuked the evil spirit. Jesus has already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. So understand, it's not like one of those horror movies where there's like this big showdown, like Jesus doesn't come out with a crucifix and some holy water splashing, you know, and Jesus saying the Lord's Prayer, and like, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's not like that. That's not how this happens at all. The, the demons are not that powerful and they have no power over Jesus. So all Jesus has to do is command and he's already commanded them to go. Before the conversation begins, Jesus has already taken over. It's complete victory over them. So already he's commanded them to go. It's not a question of whether or not Jesus is going to defeat them. It's not a question of whether or not Jesus is going to set this man free. It's just a question of, you know, what's Jesus going to do with him after he squashes them like bugs? So Jesus has already commanded them to leave, and yet the man comes out screaming, screaming. It's complicated, like like the demons are speaking, but through the man's voice, I I don't understand how it all works. But they come out with this question. New Living Translation does a pretty good job of the question. They ask in verse 28, they're screaming, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Why are you interfering with me? That's, That's one way to translate it. Honestly, your translation probably says it a little bit differently, but the bottom line is the question that the demons ask, the question that the demon-possessed man asks, is just real simply, well, what do you want with me, Jesus? Well, what do you want with me? I mean, they know who Jesus is, which is, I mean, let that sink in. The the, the demons know him instantly and they know that he's come and they know because he's there that they're done for. And so the question just comes, what do you want with us? What do you want with me, Jesus? You know, it turns out to be a really, really good question. I I would go so far as to say, this is the most important question of your whole life. Like a lot of people, you probably have some idea who Jesus is, and you probably have some idea of the power that Jesus has, but, but what you don't have any idea about is what he wants with you. Jesus would cross the sea for this one man And the man says what do you want with me And understand Jesus left heaven for you Jesus suffered what he suffered for you Jesus died on the cross He shed his blood for you And now the question for you is Why did you do all this for me What is it that you want with me Jesus This is the question of your whole life And if you've never found the answer to that question, I wouldn't let another day go by without answering that question. What what is it that you want with me, Jesus? This is is the question of your life. So Jesus approaches the man, that there is no showdown, that there is no exorcism, the way you've always thought of it, because all Jesus does is he speaks and they they have to obey. So they start, it's not so much a showdown, but it is a negotiation. Now, If I were Jesus, there's no question, I would send them back to hell where they go. You know, that's where demons belong. That's where demons live. Hell was a place prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what the scripture says. I mean, so there's no question. That's the address that they're going there. Send them back to hell. I mean, there's no question. But they start screaming out to Jesus, you know, no, no, don't send us to hell. No, not hell. Yeah. What about the pigs? You know. So they're negotiating. What about the? There's some pigs. Send us to the pigs. Okay. It's it's kind of interesting to me because I'm thinking, why are we? Why are we negotiating this? You know, send them to hell. But but Jesus actually lets them go into the pigs. What do the pigs do? Pigs go crazy. Pigs are smarter than people because, like, they're not going to live with demons in them, so what do they do? Like, poof, they all jump off a cliff. Can you imagine? Like, every pig in the whole countryside, like, in the space of, like, 20 good seconds, they all commit suicide, like swine suicide, whatever you call that. Swine suicide. They all just jump off the same. I mean, if you're at the bottom of that cliff, it is raining pigs. It's like raining hogs for a minute because all the hogs just jump off a cliff. I mean, in a space of 20 seconds, you got the biggest pile of dead pigs you've ever seen in your life. Like, why? Why not send them to hell where they belong? Why this whole, why involve the pigs? Oh, do you not see? Do you not understand? Jesus involves the pigs, not because he's doing the demons a favor. Understand, Jesus has a plan. It's a plan for this man. He crossed the sea with a purpose and a plan for this man. And Jesus knows what he's doing. He's not letting the demons call the shots now. The point is he involves the pigs because the pigs all jump off the cliff. And that's what draws the crowd. That's what draws the crowd. Now, it starts with the pig farmers, the swine herders, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Honestly, they're the first ones to know because they're out there like "Sue!" And all of a sudden, like all the pigs are like running, you know, and all of a sudden, like every pig you have just jumped off a cliff. So like the pig farmers are, are like, now they're losing their minds because that's their livelihood. That's everything to them. So they rush into town to tell everybody that every pig in the countryside is gone. So what happens from there? Well, then everybody runs out to see the world's largest pile of dead pigs. Like the whole town just empties out. People rush from every direction. They come out to see because it says the pig farmers spread the news everywhere. The crowd starts gathering. The crowd comes. They see dead pigs. They also see Jesus, but then they see the man. Understand? This is what that's about. They need to see the man. But what do they see? Like they've seen him all their lives. They've seen more of him coming flapping in the breeze than they ever wanted to see of him. I mean, understand, they've been seeing him for a long time. But they've never seen him like this. Completely clothed. Perfectly sane. Sitting and talking with Jesus. And they are terrified. What's that about? That they're, they're terrified. Apparently not everybody loves a story of transformation. Jesus came all this distance for this one man. He came to set him free, and that's what Jesus has done. So then Jesus gets back in his boat to leave. Do you pay attention to the end of this story? Because it's really kind of beautiful. The, the man goes with Jesus, and... And he intends to follow him. Isn't that always how it works? When people meet Jesus and Jesus sets them free, then, then Jesus says, come follow me. And they follow him. And that's what you expect, that, that this man will be a disciple of Jesus. And he will be a disciple of Jesus, but he's not gonna follow. He says, Jesus, I, I will go with you. I will go wherever you go. I, I, I wanna be with you. And that, that's just what happens when Jesus changes your life. You just love him and wanna be with him. But Jesus looks back at the man and says, no. 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 No, no. That, that's not the plan. I want you now to go back home and tell everybody what God has done for you. Isn't that interesting. Salvation itself is a free gift. What Jesus does for you, what Jesus does for all of us sinners, it's free. What Jesus does for this demon-possessed man, it's a free gift. This man can't possibly do this for himself and he can't possibly earn it, but Jesus comes and by Jesus' own mercy, grace, and power, Jesus sets the man free. And that's what salvation is like. Jesus just comes, he separates you from your sins. He sets you free. You can't do that for yourself and there's nothing you can do to earn it. I mean, Jesus just gives that to you as a gift. But understand, with that, with that deliverance comes a responsibility, This man is completely set free and and he didn't have to do anything to receive that, but now this changes the the course of his life. It it gives his life a new purpose, a new meaning. I would say it this way. I would say salvation creates mission. Salvation creates mission every single time. So it's not as if you're a Christian and then maybe you'll become a missionary. No, if you're a believer, if, if Jesus has changed your life, then your salvation creates mission. You now have a purpose just like this man. And that purpose is related to the story that he has to tell. Jesus says, no, I need you here. I want you to go back home. Do you understand, this is pagan territory. This is not Jewish territory and Jesus is about to leave. So there's gonna be officially one believer, one believer in that whole place and it's gonna be this man. He now has a tremendous responsibility to tell his story tell a story you have a tremendous responsibility to tell your story you say well pastor Tim my story's not all that interesting I've never been naked in the graveyard I've never been possessed with demons I I don't have a big story of sex drugs and rock and roll at all I mean my story's just kind of boring no no what you have to understand is that your life is not a story about yourself your life is not a story about I mean it kind of is but if you know Jesus, then your story now, you can't possibly tell your story without also telling the story of Jesus. That they sort of come together. That's what Jesus does. So now my life is not a story about me. I mean, it kind of is. I was this kid born and I can talk about my life and then I'll have to tell you about the day I met Jesus because I can't possibly tell you about my life without telling you about the day I met Jesus because the day I met Jesus changed everything. My life was this and then I met Jesus and now my life is this. I was going this direction, then I met Jesus and now my life goes this direction. You understand? Jesus Changes your life and he gives you a whole new story. Scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Old things are passed away. New things have come. You see, Jesus makes that difference. In another place, it says that you should always be ready to give an answer for those who will ask for a reason for the hope that's in you. In other words, when you live for Jesus, you're going to stick out. You're not going to be like everybody else. You're not gonna think like people in the world think. You're not gonna value what they value. You're not gonna love money the way they love money. You're not gonna love sex the way they love sex. You're different. You're not gonna use the same words on a golf course that they use. You understand? There's something that happens when Jesus comes into your life, you change. And that change is going to be obvious because Jesus makes a difference. And the scripture is just saying that that when you live for Jesus, somewhere, someday, somebody's going to say, what is it about you that makes you different? What is it about you? Help me understand what it is about you. And that's the place where you tell your story. You always be ready to tell that story. you understand how this works? Salvation involves mission. And your life is not a story about you, but it's a story about Jesus. So when you tell the story of how Jesus saved you, the gospel comes to life. She so think, well, Brother Tim, you know I don't know the Bible the way you know some of you people know the Bible. I, you know, I, I just I don't know a lot of Bible verses. You know, understand Jesus didn't leave this man with a little New Testament. You know that he could run back into town and read to people. No, no, this man wasn't left w- w- with a Bible. This man was left with a story and, and, and an obligation to go back into town and tell that story. No, we do have God's word, and we're blessed to have God's word. But you know what? If I go out preaching God's word, people love to argue God's word with me. People love to argue the Bible. If I start trying to spread the gospel, they'll wanna get into a debate about creation and evolution or about gay marriage or transgenderism or whatever. I mean, people just love to argue that stuff. You go out with the Bible, they'll just argue the Bible with you. People love to argue religion. They'll debate denominations. I mean, they'll love all that. But nobody can argue with your story. Nobody can argue when you tell them what Jesus has done for you. Nobody can debate that. So when you tell your story, that's when the gospel comes to life. That's when the very power of Jesus is evident because you're able to say, listen, let me tell you a story about about how I once was blind, but now I see, was was lost, but now I'm found. Let me tell you about who I was and how I, I don't live there anymore. The, the, the gospel comes to life. So, so if you're one of those people that always says, I don't really know what God wants for me. I don't know, but I don't know what my purpose is. I don't, I don't know what God's will for my life is. But it's really, really simple. If you want to fulfill God's plan for your life, just start by telling your story. I promise you, just start here. Start by telling the story of, of what Jesus has done for you. One of my missionary buddies, he says that, he he calls it the any three strategy, any three. In other words, you should be ready to tell your story about Jesus to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Get it? Any three. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. You just be ready to tell your story to anybody, anywhere, anytime. You start telling your story and you're going to start fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Like I said, before missions is global, personal so Jesus tells the man no, you go back and uh, you tell the story of what God has done for you start with your family and then ends up going through the whole town that, that, that's what we do that's what missions is And then there are places in the world where there are no believers. There there are places of the world where the gospel has never been preached. And so there are no stories to be told. That's why we have to send people to those places so that they can tell the story. And so then other people can begin to spread and share that story. But it always starts personal with what Jesus has done for you. you. You tell that story. So so imagine this man. I, I don't know what it would feel like as the demons start to evacuate his body like, like cockroaches when you turn on the light. You know, they just begin to scatter and, and he begins to think clearly again and, and he can see the face of Jesus and understand the mercy and power of Jesus. How that must have been. And then to want to go with Jesus and walk with Jesus and just leave everything and follow Jesus and have Jesus say, no, no, that's not the plan. You, you go home to all the people who've known you and you tell them the story of what God has done for you. You know, I, I bet he stood there forever. I would stand there forever as Jesus sails away in that boat. I mean, I would. I'd just stand there until that bow got smaller and smaller, and then Jesus is over the horizon. I'd stand there forever. But then eventually, you know, that man had to just turn around and go back. If you pay attention to what the scripture says, then you know that in order to walk back into town, he had to walk through the graveyard. But he doesn't live there anymore. He doesn't live there anymore. He goes into town. You all know how people are. So he's in town. Um, people start looking at him, talking. You know, like, who is that? Is, it, is that him? Is that, is that like scary dude? Is that scary cemetery dude? Scary naked cemetery dude? Is that him? I, th- I think it's him. I've never seen him with clothes on. him mean, I don't know. I can't tell if that's him. Is it him? And then, can't be him. Is it him? And finally, somebody has the courage to walk up to him and they just say, you know, sir, what happened to you? And then, you know, he would have to look him in the eye and think for a minute and then just say, well, let me tell you a story. Pray with me. Jesus, it's your word that has been preached and it is your word that has power to change lives. Jesus, some of us know what that change brings and what that change means, Lord. I pray for those of us who know and those of us who have experienced your power, Lord, I pray that you will give us the courage to go back home, (laughs) to go wherever we go, Lord, but to to be willing to tell the story. Some of us are always afraid of what people will think or afraid that we'll we'll say wrong words or that we'll make fools of ourselves or that nobody will believe us or nobody will listen, Lord, but help us to forget all of that, Lord, and just go and tell the story. It it, it is the only thing we have important to do. God, others in the sound of my voice, Lord, uh, all over the place, Lord, there are just some who Probably know something about you But they don't have a story like this Lord They've never experienced you in such a way Where there was a change Where there was a before and an after Lord There's some who just go to church Like Sunday after Sunday after Sunday But nothing ever changes Lord Jesus I pray that today would be the day When when, when you move into hearts Lord where, Where finally once and for all Lord they open the door of their heart And allow you to come in and allow you to take over Lord, I pray for those in this house, Lord, that, that are bound in chains of addiction and, and habits, Lord. And Lord, I, I pray for those who stare at the face in the mirror and, and despise the man that they've become, the woman that they've become, Lord. I pray for those today who struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness and, and hatred and, and prejudice. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would set us free from all of these things. Clean out all of the garbage of our lives. Remove, Lord, all of the spiritual vermin of our lives, Lord. Clean up. Us, make us new. Give us a story to tell about how you changed us, how you set us free, how you rewrote the story of our lives, how you gave us a future. Lord, there's a story that we need to tell. It's a story about us, but most importantly, it is the story about you and what you do when people like us will give you the open door of our heart, We need to tell that story, and very importantly, the world needs to hear it. So, Lord Jesus, give us a story to tell and the courage to tell it anywhere, to anybody, all the time. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior.